it's been on my heart to do some teaching on the prophetic, the 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 the. We, we started on the Thursday nights. We've, we're looking at the power manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're looking at kind of faith, working of miracles, manifestation of faith, gifts of healings. Uh, and, 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 and at the same time, I felt a little bit on the Sundays, we want to talk more about the vocal manifestation of the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, you know, in the Bible, you see the miraculous, you see the Moses, the, the Red Sea splits, you see the manifestation of power, but also God speaking through people, God saying things. So these are different ways he manifests. And uh, in the New Testament, it lists, you know, non-manifestations in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, including things like prophecy and different things. So we've laid some groundwork on the Thursdays. So I'm not going to go through all the groundwork again, but I had it on my heart to, 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 to look at some things concerning prophecy and the prophetic flow. Now, I've jumped around in the last few weeks. I've kind of tapped on this a little bit uh, and we've said some things about it, but I want to get more into it this week, really kind of officially. Um, because there, there's a lot of misunderstanding about prophecy. There's a lot of misunderstanding about what prophecy is. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of misconceptions as well, as well as there being some good stuff around. It's not all negative. Yeah. But, but, but it's important that we understand these things from the word of God and get a grasp of these things because God wants us to flow more in this. God wants us to grow more in this. And, and one of the best ways to grow is, is, is to get understanding of the word on something. And that begins to open your eyes. The lights come on, build your faith, and then you can step more into some things. And uh, so that's why we're going to teach about prophecy and, and a bit about the prophetic flow probably over a few weeks. It's such a vast subject that there's a lot to talk about. So I don't, I've, I, in the last few weeks, I've said some things in the sense about how you know it's, people can speak by wrong spirits and different things like that. But for now, I'm going to put the negative side in a sense aside, aside for this one. We want to lay the groundwork on some of the positive things. We will come later to you know what the Bible says about how we must judge prophecy and different things like that, okay? But uh, let's, let's look at a couple of scriptures as some groundwork. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1. Now, in doing this teaching, I'm not necessarily just trying to teach new things. Now, some, you know, you, you might get some new things. Uh, what I'm wanting to do is to bring some things to the forefront that you might have heard already and stir some things up concerning uh, this topic of prophecy. Now, the word prophecy kind of can, can mean so many different things in people's minds. Uh, you know, how you define a word will then affect how you, what you understand when someone uses that word and what they, what they mean. Someone can have a completely different meaning of a word. Uh, you, you know, words change their meaning over time. There's, there's words that 50 years ago meant something completely different to what they mean today. And I don't want to go through examples of that, but it, it, it's quite important that we actually have a grasp of what we're talking about. So even these days in the church, the word prophecy seems to cover a massive range of things. Um, and, and so some people refer to, in a sense, what they might call the simple gift of prophecy. And then there's this prophecy, which is kind of a bit more than just prophecy, okay? But really, 
just for just just to get us all on the same page for now, like I said, as the series go, we'll look at all the different angles and we'll look at the things that can flow with prophecy. But just for now, prophecy is the Holy Spirit inspiring what you inspiring what you're saying. It's it's it's, it's uh, an inspired utterance, and utterance is verbal. So, in other words, it's it, but speaking prophetically means that God is giving you the words that you're speaking. They're not just coming from your head and your own understanding. They're, they're bubbling up. They're rising up on the inside from the Holy Spirit. And He's giving you these words to speak. That's just a very basic understanding of it for now. And we'll, we'll look more at it, okay? Just so we're all on the same page. I have said that before, but I just want to say that again now. So 1 Corinthians 14. Now, I'm only going to read a few verses now. Rather than reading a whole chunk of passages, I literally I'm going to just pull the verses out I want. And it's not because I'm trying to take things out of context. It's more because there, there's so many different things that we could be pulled around on in this passage. There's a lot on here. There's also a lot in here that causes confusion. And the church has gotten muddled over a lot of things that Paul says in here. And all kinds of doctrines have come out of this chapter. Okay. Um, including doctrines about women being quiet in church and everything. Because it's in there's the, the stuff he says. Yeah. So I, I don't want to get pulled pulled off track on the, the the verses that are not directly relevant for now to what I'm saying. So I'm literally going to pull out the ones we want, yeah. Um, but uh, let's let's start let's start with verse 26. And we'll jump around. There's a few that I want to read. It's all part of the groundwork. One Corinthians 14:26. How is it then, brethren? <clears throat> whenever you come together, well, I mean. What 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 would what what might we call what 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 might we today call a group of Christians coming together? <laughs> church. I know people can argue over whether that's you know the, the the word church is the right word to use. But I don't I don't, I don't want to get into you know we we can spend our time arguing over the wrong thing, I'm getting fussed. People say oh that's not the right word used in the Bible. You know, it's the word most people understand today that means a group of Christians getting together for a meeting. Yeah. So, all, so we can focus on all the wrong things and get sidetracked by that. So whenever you come together, each of you has. Each of you has. And we, this, the, the, this, this verse doesn't get taught a lot in a lot of church circles these days because very often... Only two or three people in the church can bring it. You know, maybe the pastor and the worship leader can really say anything in a meeting. Now, let me say this. You need to understand there are different types of meetings in churches. The different times, we'll get off on this is a little bit. Yeah, there's different types of meetings. There's different types of services. No, not everything that can be done in a, in, in, a, in a Christian meeting should necessarily be done in every meeting. Okay. You know, they, 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 sometimes you almost feel like people try to get everything into every service. They've got to pray for the sick. They've got to, you know, do an hour of worship, an hour of praise. They've got to, they got to you know, they've got to do an altar call for the unsaved. They've got to have all the prophecy. They've got to, you know, do, I don't know. I don't want to go into the things. Some people think you've got to do everything in every service. And, and, and there's, what we need to understand is there's different types of services. You can have an evangelistic service which is more focused on re on 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 evangelism and then maybe you drawing people in 
and, and a lot of times maybe you'll be praying for the sick who, who are not part of the church, but they're coming in and, and so there can be healings and miracles taking place, different things like that. You can have a teaching-focused meeting, yeah? Um, and, 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 and it's important that we actually realize that there can be different types of meetings. So just because this verse says, whenever you come together, each of you has, doesn't necessarily mean that in every meeting, everybody should be bringing something, okay? But it is good to understand that actually there's, there, sometimes there should be meetings taking place where more than just one or two people up the front have something to bring, and God can use the different people. It's something we've seen a little bit. We do a little bit. I think there's a good place for it. Um, I think in the modern, especially with the bigger churches, the TV church, you know, TV ministries and, you know, the things, a lot of, a lot of the times people are used to being preached at, but there's very little, apart from maybe during the praise and worship when everyone sings, but there's a lot of, there's not a lot of involvement from everybody and a lot of people can't necessarily bring things. Yeah. Now I'm not saying that's wrong because that can be that kind of meeting. It can be a teaching meeting. Do you know that God raises people up to teach and preach the word? It's scriptural. There were times Paul preached and, you know, he preached all night. And it doesn't say in there that, that 37 people in the meeting all brought something. It says Paul preached. And the guy, he preached so long, the guy fell asleep and fell out the window. Remember that one? So there's times, the type of meeting where actually, yes, one person will preach. Okay? Nothing wrong with that. But we also need to realize there are other types of meetings where it is correct that different people bring some things in. Not necessarily planned. Not necessarily an order of service. Well, you know, sister so-and-so will bring her little poem at this time. And brother so-and-so will bring his little thought for the day, which he's going to read out of his devotional at this time. You know, okay, you can, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong to plan a service like that, okay? But what I'm talking about isn't that, right? You can plan something out of your head, you can plan it out of your heart. Sorry, you can plan it out of your head, you can plan it out of your mind and your own intellect, or you can do these things with a flow of the Spirit of God. Now, <clears throat> in this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14... If you look at the context of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, he's not talking about our planning of a meeting. These chapters have got to do with God using people and flowing through people. They've got to do with the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Okay. For example, in the, in what, in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about, um, actually, I'm going to leave that thought right there because I don't get into a side journey. But the flow of these three, the flow of these chapters is the Holy Spirit flowing through you. So when he talks about you, let's read the whole thing now because we didn't finish it. When you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, uh, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. So what is he saying here? That that. Different people can be used with these different things. And when you come together, each of you has something. 
Uh, let, me just, let me just throw out a quick thought here. If I said to you right now, have you got something? What have you got? If I put you on the spot. I'm not going to, don't worry. I have done this to people before. But if I put you on the spot and said, what have you got? Come give something. And you might say, well, I've got nothing. Okay? Which is true? The Bible or, or what you're saying right now? I've got nothing. What, what does he say in the scripture? He says, whenever you come together, each of you has. Is that true? Does, is God saying in his word, you do have something? Now, what if you're saying, no, I don't have something? And people get nervous because like, oh, he's going to put me on the spot. The, the reason a lot of times people don't think they have something is because they're looking for it here. And then they sit and they think, oh, if he, if he calls me out, what, what will I say? What will I say? Oh, I know, I know. oh I've got a good idea. I, I've got a good idea. I, I might say this and I might say this and... Maybe I could pull out a planned speech that I said yesterday. Or, you know, if we are very accustomed to speaking, thinking, and functioning our lives out of our heads. Because that's what we do in the natural world. That's what you do all week in the workplace. That's what we do. You know, your boss doesn't expect you to work in the office by, by listening to your heart. He expects you to, to you, you use your brain a bit. Now, I'm not saying you can't you follow your spirit. You, might, you just might not know about it, your boss, he or she, yeah? <clears throat> but as human beings, we function a lot out of our heads. So when people come into church, we're used to functioning out of our heads. And someone thinks, well, I don't have anything because I can't really think of anything right now. The, the, the problem is we're not so used to yielding to the flow of the Holy Spirit coming out of our hearts. Now, let me give you an example. Because one of the things he lists there, he says, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching. So let me pick on that one because, because I'm, I'm familiar with operating in the area of teaching. I learned a long time ago, I can teach out of my head or I can teach out of my heart. I learned a long time ago that I can teach an intellectual message that I prepared or I can teach with an anointing and a flow of the Holy Spirit giving me the words. And there's a difference. I've noticed there's a big difference. It goes back to something we were talking about a little bit just earlier. The more I rely on my internet, uh, intellect and my ability and how polished I can make a message, very often, the, the less God manifests in that. It's funny, you know, I, 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 I'll tell you, I'm going to give you a couple of examples of myself of teaching. Is that all right? Because one of the things he talks about is a teaching there. But, but you can take these principles and apply them on a broader level because we're going to talk about different flows of the Holy Spirit speaking through you. And it's not always a teaching. Teach, there can be a, a prophetic flow and an inspired utterance of the Holy Spirit upon your teaching, just like they can about sharing something else on your heart. But since teaching is one that I, I know a bit more about because I do a lot of it, I'll use that as an example, okay? Is that all right with all of you? I'm not going to take a vote on it. I'm going to do it anyway. Okay? But I learned a long time ago, I can teach you out of my head, I can teach you out of my heart. Now, I'm not saying you don't prepare. 
In fact, one of the things that you'll find connected to being able to operate in the prophetic flow of the Holy Spirit giving you inspired utterance, one of the things the Bible says is talks about the word of Christ dwelling in you richly. And then it talks about right afterwards, Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I'm going to get to the whole Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs thing in a moment, I think. That's the plan for today. If we don't get there, we'll get to that tomorrow. <clears throat> but I want to teach you a little bit about how to speak by inspired utterance. Because I want, to I want to tell you something that every Christian can learn to speak by the utterance of the Holy Spirit and by inspired utterance. Every Christian, it's part of what we're, we're supposed to be able to tap into in the new covenant because of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll sing a song of prophecy in every service. Okay? But every Christian can step into this to, to a degree in their lives. But let me use me, me as an example here again as a teacher. I learned a long time ago that I can just, I can spend my week preparing a sermon, a message out of my head, and I can put it all together really nicely. And then I can get up and I can do a polished intellectual presentation up here and a really nice put together message. And I, I, and everyone can be, have their intellect tickled and go, oh, wow, isn't Owen a good preacher okay and be impressed at me now i don't want people impressed at me so i'm not saying that because i'm but i like i don't like people being impressed with me i don't actually want it okay but but I, I learned a long time ago i could preach a really nice message and you, you know have you ever been have you ever listened to and not just a sermon a, a message in church but have you ever listened to maybe a university lecturer or someone educated teach and you almost think he, he's trying to impress you with how much he knows by, by how polished his message, his, his teaching is. And it's going over everybody's heads. Ever been in that kind of lecture? Um, not, not just church. I mean, you might get them in church, but secular things. Okay. I'm not trying to impress you with how much I know and how polished my teaching is when I'm up here. Now, I do believe that in my life, I should endeavor to be a better teacher. And so day to day, I, 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 and, and through the years, I've endeavored to, to learn how to teach better. And I've learned things along the way. But one of the big, biggest, best lessons I learned about how to be a be better teacher was how to tap into the flow of the anointing and the, spirit of, the flow of the Spirit of God. I learned a long time ago, like I said, I can preach by my ability and my polished notes. I remember when I went to Bible school. They taught us lessons. We had um, Bible college. We had classes on homiletics. Anyone ever know what homiletics is? Homiletics is basically sermon preparation. How to put together a sermon. And they'll teach you how to do, I can't even remember, a textual message, an expository message, and all these different names. And, I, you know, I, I remember going to Bible college. And I thought, oh, wow, they're going to teach me how to put a message together. And so I, as I came out of Bible college, I had done a bit of preaching and teaching before I went to Bible school, but, but I was still a teenager. I was learning. And then I went to my, you know, 18, 19, 20 to Bible college. So obviously I'm thinking this is, must be the way it's done. So I came out of Bible college and as I started getting preaching opportunities, I thought, well, you know, I need to follow what I was taught about how to put a sermon together. So I followed it. I did what, what I was told. This is how you prepare a message. And I would get up and preach and I thought, I afterwards, afterwards, sometimes it seemed to go well, and sometimes people seemed to enjoy it. But afterwards, something on the inside was just like, I just didn't feel right. 
unlock that. It didn't, I was like, oh. One minister said, you know, sometimes something in your spirit, when it doesn't feel right, it's like trying to wash your feet with your socks on. That's the, that's the example one minister gave. You know, it's not something you would do, wash your feet with your socks on. Because if you did, it's like something, it's not getting, it's just not right, is it? And, and I would preach, I would try to follow what I was taught and I would try to do, well, this is how you put a message together. And eventually I thought to myself, no, no. And you know what? <laughs> this might shock some people if you, if, if, if you, you believe very strongly in following the principles of homiletics. I can tell you something. The principles of homiletics about how to put a sermon together, you know, point one, point two. I'm going to be very honest with you. They're man-made principles. There's no Bible. Now, they might pull a scripture or two to, to kind of show why they're teaching you some of the principles. But most of the principles about how to put a message together are man-made principles. At some point, some guy decided <coughs> one way to teach a message is to do a passage of a chapter, a study of a chapter in the Bible. And then they teach, this is how you do a chapter study. You break this down. You go through your headings. You have your main topics. You look at it. That's not how the Bible teaches you how to do a message. That is a man-made way of doing a message. Okay? Now, if, if that's all you got, you know, don't write me letters and criticize me and tell me, oh, you know, you, these are great principles. If you want to preach like that, go right ahead. But for me, I, for, I found it didn't work. Okay? I found, I began to learn... I put time into preparation. You fill yourself with the word. I, you could, you, in fact, I, some of my messages that I preach for an hour, I got 45 pages of notes on that message. Now, I don't preach, preach all 45 pages, but that's my own preparation and study. So I do prepare messages. I just don't follow any man-made principles in doing it. Because I, for me, I threw that out the window. And I began to learn, and I got a lot more confidence in the area of, yes, I get my heart prepared. Yes, I fill myself with the word. Yes, I need to know the topic I'm preaching. I need to understand what I'm preaching. But when I get up here, I'm trusting him to help me put it together. And I'm trusting him to give me the utterance to bring that teaching to inspire my words so that they're not just coming out of here, but they're coming out of here. And I've got a hold of scriptures in the Bible which talk about... I think it's Isaiah 40, one, it's not a very well-known um, translation, but the way he writes it, Isaac Lisa translation, I think it is, someone showed me this one years ago. don't even know a lot about that particular translation. But it says, the Lord eternal has given me the tongue of a learned disciple that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. And I used to take scriptures like that, and I would confess that over myself and use it in prayer. Father, I thank you that you have given me the tongue of a learned disciple. I thank you, Lord, that, that, that I know how to speak the right word at the right time when I'm preaching. And I began to build my faith in God using my words and giving me utterance to speak. And I began to take other scriptures which talk about open your mouth and I'll fill it. And I began to build my confidence from the word in God leading me as I speak. And I began to learn, you know, you know, any 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 new preacher or teacher, you know, a lot of, or let me put it this way, a lot of people have a fear of getting away from their notes. Because, you know, 
there's my message, my prepared message, you know, or if it's not on an iPad, it's all my pieces of paper of my prepared sermon that I've spent the whole week writing out word for word. Now, I say that in a mocking tone of voice. I'm not, if that's what people want to do, I'm not against that, okay? Um, but I learned this. Sometimes you've got to have the courage to step away from the pulpit. This is, people say, why do you walk around a lot? Well, I enjoy, look, I enjoy looking in people's eyes when I teach, and I, I'm comfortable talking, uh, um, walking around. But I also realize this. Sometimes the stepping away from my set of notes helped me not depend upon myself. People say, well, what if I forget what I'm going to say? Well, there's your problem. You're relying on yourself, your, your head as your source of information for what to say. Okay? So I'm using te myself with teaching as an illustration here. But I learned this. Sometimes i got to step beyond just my ability to figure out the words. And I've got to build my confidence in God being able to lead me. A lot of Christians are very focused in my head. And when you say things like, well, when you come together, every one of you has a psalm. Every one of you has a tongue. Sometimes they're looking at what I can get out of my head to say. I've noticed a lot of Christians, even, even you know, we've had, we've, we've had question and answer, and we've also had discussion about the concept of question and answer sessions. But I've noticed, and we used to have it a lot in some of the Zoom times, I notice a lot of times when people talk uh, about Christian concepts, the questions they ask, the things that they say, I don't get the impressions coming out of their heart. I get the impression they're, they're, they're asking and they're pulling the conversation around by their minds half the time. And it's what I want to talk about, what I want to discuss, what I want an answer to. Now, there can be a place for that. But sometimes even in prayer, when we're praying together as a group, we want to tap into a flow of the Holy Spirit. But if people are all praying what I want to pray and what I, what's on my personal agenda to pray, you can... You can, how do I say this? You can fail to tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit because people are intellectually led. They're very mind orientated and they run their whole Christian lives out of their minds. Now, I'm not against us having a brain. God gave you one. I'm not against us having a mind. There's a place for it. Someone said common sense isn't as common as it used to be. Okay. And I think that's more and more true these days. <laughs> okay. God gave you a brain. You're supposed to use it. So there's a place for it. I'm not saying it's wrong to sometimes want to ask the question that you want to ask. But one of the reasons Christians struggle to really tap into the flow of prophecy, speaking by inspired utterance, is they can't, is they totally dependent upon always speaking out of their mind and their intellect. <clears throat> and we need to learn to do both. That, that, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm not putting one down as wrong. There's a place for it. But some Christians, it's always what I want to pray right now. That's why I'm not, I'm not, I'm not big on prayer lists. I remember, you know, sometimes you're praying with some people and they're like, what's on the prayer list today? And I'm like, I don't know. They're like, but, but we're having an hour-long prayer meeting. You know, we're supposed to have a prayer meeting. How, how are we going to pray without a prayer list? Oh! You can see it on their faces. I'm like, I don't know what we're going to pray. I haven't got a prayer list. Christians are like, well, how can we have a prayer meeting without a prayer list? 
Maybe you can step beyond your need for a prayer list, tap into a flow of the Holy Spirit and learn how to flow with the Spirit in prayer. He'll lead you. He'll guide you. And he'll begin to direct that prayer meeting. Because God knows, said Psalms, there's something he once prayed for, not just what you in your head decided you want to pray for. But Christians are very dependent upon living our lives out of our head. So we also live our Christianity out of our head. And we need to learn to realize we are spirit beings and t- that, that God works with you through your spirit. And actually the Holy Spirit can, can give you things, can put things on your heart that didn't come out of your mind. And this is an area you learn to become accustomed to, to tapping into and flowing with. You're not going to get it right every time. You're not going to get it perfect the first time. Okay? But if you're ever going to tap into the prophetic flow, you've got to learn to look on the inside. Here. Your spirit, your heart. The Bible says out of your belly will flow. The Bible also talks about your heart. So that's why I'm saying here somewhere rather than here. Okay? Some people might say, well, it's your belly. Others will say, well, it's your heart. I'm just going to say somewhere in this area. Okay? Just to deal with the, the doctrinal arguments. I know you guys won't, but, you know, when people watch, listen later. Okay? But the more, the more we, we only know how to operate out of here, the less we're going to flow with the things that God's got for us. That flow of the Holy Spirit comes out of every one of us. It has the potential to come out of every one of us. But you have to learn to become accustomed to stepping into it and flowing with it. Now, one of the reasons preachers, not every preacher, some preachers just stick in the intellectual realm. How many of you ever heard a very intellectual message? There's no anointing on it, okay? Been there. Okay, but one of the reasons some preachers learn to, to flow with the Holy Spirit is because actually we almost have to. You put in a position in a meeting where all week you're asking yourself, Lord, what do you want me to teach? What do, what do you want me to teach? In fact, I do that more than like, oh, here's a nice message I prepared. I can preach this. This will be a great message for Sunday. So again, you can rely on yourself or you can search your heart. Lord, what's the right message to preach for this week? But you see, you get to the place where you're getting accustomed on a regular basis to looking on the inside. Lord, what do you want me to teach? What do you want me to be? And you, you do that week after week after week after week. You know, once you've been preaching 5, 10, 15 years, you're going to start getting accustomed to looking beyond me just for, for, for things to say. And that's why you, you, you learn on, in a service, you can be getting to, you know, there's times people ask me questions, you know, in, in, in a meeting or they say something in a meeting. And while I'm talking with them or trying to answer their question, on the inside, quietly, I'm saying, Lord, help me. Give me an answer. I'm looking to the inside. Now, what will happen if you learn to look on the inside instead of look in your head? One thing that will happen is the fulfillment of the scripture. Each of you has. There is something in there for you to tap into if you, look, if you learn to look to it. But if you don't learn to look for it and you just sit in the message 
only looking to your head and thinking, well, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. So I'll just smile. I've got nothing. Now, let me, again, let me reiterate something I said earlier. This, what I'm teaching now doesn't mean that necessarily everybody needs to bring something in every service. Just You might have something in your heart. Maybe it's just not the right service to bring it in. Maybe God's flowing in a healing anointing and you've got something else on your heart. Okay? We need to learn at timing. I think it's Ecclesiastes talks about, you know, for everything there's a, there's a time. Uh, there's another passage in Ecclesiastes which talks about basically a wise man understands timing. Okay? So some people think, I've got to give it. I've got something on my heart. I've got to give it. I've got to give it now. <laughs> no, that's your flesh putting pressure on you. And, and sometimes people bring the wrong thing at the wrong time, and it can break the flow of what the Holy Spirit. How many of you know, flowing with the Holy Spirit, we've got to learn to go with His flow. And we'll talk more about that as we talk about the prophecy and the prophetic. But sometimes, if someone's younger in some things, and again, we love each other around here. So if, people, if someone makes a mistake and puts their foot wrong and completely crashes the flow of the Holy Spirit because they give the wrong word at the wrong time, I mean, we're going to throw them out of the church. We love them. We'll help them grow. We'll teach them. Yeah? That's, you know, that's why you've got to stay correctable and, 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 and things like that. So, you know, if you give the wrong thing and it goes wrong one week, that's all right. You know, God can always move another, at another time, another opportunity. But what we want to come to is we want to come to the place where we're learning to go with the flow of his spirit. And God prompts a person and says, now, right, now's the right time for you to bring what I'm putting on your heart. So not only getting something from God, but also understanding the timing of when to bring what God's put on your heart. And sometimes the timing can also be connected to a prompt from him saying, yeah, bring it now. Yeah. But, and that's, I'm throwing out a lot there on different ideas. But what I want you to get for this one is the, the basic idea, the basic concept that actually each one of us can tap into this to, to a degree. But if we're not looking to our heart, if we're not searching our heart for what God wants me to bring, sometimes you know, you're never going to have it to bring. Okay? Now, God's not going to force you. God's not going to make you do it. But why does God put scriptures in there? He says, <clears throat> whenever you come together, each of you has. Why is he putting it in there? He wants us to realize that actually you can step into this too. Okay? You can, there's things that the Spirit of God can speak through each one of us. And as churches, we actually do need to allow place for this kind of thing to happen. Might not necessarily be in every service. I know... Some Christians, some ministers, I think in America possibly more, they, the 1930s, they used to, you know, years ago, they would have kind of what they called believers meetings. It was meetings where they specifically looked to the flow of the Holy Spirit, not just a question and answer, a man-made intellectual question and answer, a man-made discussion where I'm talking about what I want to talk about, my favorite topic this week. But actually, they allowed a place where People could learn how to bring out of their heart what God's giving them, and then multiple people in the meeting could do so rather than just one person. So they would have meetings which were specifically set aside for God to flow in these kind of things. And actually, 
ministers in, uh, that I know, you know, that I've heard preach said that they used to get some incredible move of the flow of the Holy Spirit. You could, you could, it was just like God was directing who was talking now because people became very sensitive to that flow. But you develop in this. You become more accustomed to it. It took me time to, to develop, to learn how to tap into the, the utterance, the flow of utterance given by the Spirit of God to teach. It took me time to get more accustomed to that. So it's like that with any prophetic flow, if any flow of the anointing, anything that God's putting on your heart, you can grow in it and become better at it. And not that you're becoming intellectually better, you're becoming better at yielding. You're becoming better at learning to hear what he's saying. You become better at learning to distinguish the difference between what's in my head and what's coming out of my heart. The more you learn how to distinguish and the more you learn how to tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit, the better you can become in this kind of the flowing in these things. Does it make sense? We can become better vessels that know how to flow better, that know how to speak out of our hearts and yield to the prophetic flow and the inspired utterance. <coughs> the very fact that you can become a better vessel, you need to realize this. When you're first starting out, you're not going to be the, fully, the most fully professional vessel in flowing in these things, which means, one, you're going to get it wrong a few times. Two, you might sometimes start to speak out prophetically and then suddenly get into your mind. Your mind might kick in because you're so used to yielding to your mind. And now you start to speak some things out by your mind. And then you suddenly realize, well, that's falling flat. And then you realize, I've got no words to say. And you just be quiet. And then you sit there and think, well, maybe I miss God. No, you might have stepped out, but you might not be yet proficient in this. So you're a little bit caught up in sometimes out of my mind, sometimes out of my heart. Okay? You're not going to be proficient to get it right every time. But we can grow in this. And we want to, don't we? If someone says, I'm not that bothered about growing in this. Well, let's have a look at what he says about that. I, I still haven't gone past my first, my first scripture here. I'm trying to get to the ones where it talks about psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, but I haven't. The first point is you can see from that scripture, God says you do have something. Now, he's not talking about an intellectual teaching I prepared earlier. Let me give you something else about the teaching side of things. <laughs> there we go. Are we actually going to get past one scripture today? What's my time? <laughs> Maybe we'll just have to call the whole series Psalm, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. I thought in part one we'll talk about Psalms, Hymns, and Spiritual Songs. I haven't even got that far yet. But, but some of you have heard me say this before, but it bears repetition right now because I've used preaching and teaching as an example of how you can tap into the flow of the Holy Spirit. You can teach out of your intellect or you can teach by an inspired utterance of the Holy Spirit giving you the words. Okay? But teaching that way is only one way these things can manifest. God can give you other things, namely songs, for example, okay, and different things. But we'll talk more about that as we go. But let me give you an example. Now, someone might argue with me over this one and say, no, that's not true, whatever. So, but it, 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 I'm going to give you a perspective of something in Scripture. And the more I look at this, I, th I personally believe this is actually accurate, what I'm about to share with you. How many of you know the book of Acts tells us about Paul traveling around to different places to preach? Um, you know, he preached in Ephesians, Corinth, and different things like that. And a lot of the, the books of the Bible that he wrote are addressed to places either he had preached or was going to preach. Okay? Um, <clears throat> 
in the book of Acts, for example, you'll find out it talks about the Macedonians. Now, there's no book of Macedonia, is there? But the Acts tells us that Philippi was in Macedonia. I don't know these days modern boundaries of Macedonia, but certainly in Bible times, Philippi was in the region of Macedonia. And, and so the book of Philippians is actually is, is dealing with that group of people, the Macedonians. So every time in, he refers to the Macedonians and their giving, you realize he's talking about the same group who talked about in Philippians 4 how they gave to him, they partnered, they connected with him. Okay? But, but we're told about his traveling around and preaching to different places. One place Paul preached was Antioch. No, sorry, not Antioch, Athens. I knew it was an A. Athens. Where's the book of Athens in Scripture? Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He wrote to the Corinthians. Why didn't he write to the Athenians? To the church that is at Athens that I, Paul, started. Well, was it a book of Athenians? Um, like I said, I'm going to give you a perspective. Okay? After, let me tell you a little bit about what happened after Paul went to Athens. Well, let me actually let me tell you what happened at Athens, then I'll tell you what happened after. In Athens, Paul he did he started off doing his normal thing. He went, I think, to the synagogues and stuff. But then he got the, the Athens was a place of Greek philosophy, and philosophy is a lot about the mind, the intellect. Now, remember, Paul had been highly educated, and suddenly he gets around philosophical, highly educated people. How do you know it's easy to slot back into that? Because this is a realm he's a bit familiar with. And so when he preached, eventually he went and they invited him to come and tickle their ears about the latest philosophy. Because they just thought that Jesus and the gospel was the latest philosophy. And they liked hearing about this philosophy and that philosophy. So yeah, come along, tell us about your gospel. And then next week we'll have someone else tell us about their, their philosophy. But Paul, Paul played to them. They were intellectual. And he actually preached a very intellectual message. The funny thing is, some theologians say it's, it's Paul's best message. And it's all the one about, starts off with, I noticed how you have an altar to another God, you know, the unknown God. And the, he, it's very intellectual. We give him this long message. And, it's, and people think, wow, what a, wow, Paul's best message. Made, I'm going to be honest with you. What, very often what humans think is... is the best of something isn't necessarily what God thinks is the best of something. And I don't think Paul believed it was his best message. In fact, I think Paul believed it was his worst message he ever preached. Because he didn't really get much results from it. He didn't really produce much of an impact on the city. All he did was tickle their intellectual fancy. And after the message, they were like, Oh, that's nice. Why don't you come next week again and tickle our fancy again? We'll hear you more of your philosophy. There was no real shaking of the power of God in that environment. And, and after Athens, Paul went to Corinth. The book of Corinthians. 1 and 2 Corinthians. Now remember, to the Corinthians, Paul says this. When I came to you, I did not come to you with the wisdom of man. But I came to you by demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not rest 
in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, paraphrased it a bit there. It's no, it's no coincidence that he said that to the Corinthians. I believe, and he talks a lot about the wisdom of the wise and the Greek. And he talks about the Greek have wisdom. They seek wisdom. The Jews seek a sign. This is what he says to the Corinthians. Now, in Corinth, he got results. But let me, what, what happened here? When Paul went to Athens, I think he tried to do it all in his own strength, out of his own intellect. Because he got familiar with, Paul was a highly educated person. He's around educated people. He tried to, to, to do a nice polished message that tickled their intellect. And he found it produced no results. And so after he left Athens and went to Corinth, he said, I'm going back to the way I used to do it before I made a flop fat. How many of you realize Paul was a human and could miss it? Right? People put, Paul, oh, it's the apostle Paul. No, he could never get it. No, no he, he sometimes got some things wrong. But he learned... The less I rely on me, the less I rely on what my head do can, can say, the more I rely on the simplicity of the gospel and the, the Holy Spirit being able to touch, the, touch things, the more God will do. I'm going to finish here in a minute because it is quite hot. Okay? I think Paul realized in Athens, I tried to make it in my own strength by my own intellect. And that's not how it's going to work. And he went into Corinth and he says, let's just do this. Let's go back to the simplicity and, 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 and rely on the Holy Spirit. So I didn't quite get into Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. There's always next week. There's always the week after. When you teach series, there's always an, another, we just do it another week. But as part of my, as I said, I really only got to one scripture. As part of my initial groundwork, and I, I did plan, I'm going to try and keep today's service a little bit shorter just because of the heat. I know it's going to be a very hot day. But the, the main thing I want to get through today is you can talk out of here or you can become accustomed to looking in here. You can figure out Bible answers. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, what does the Bible say about this? And they're always trying to figure out in their heads. You can live your whole Christianity out of your intellect or out of your heads, or you can learn to realize, yes, God gave me a head. There's a place for, I'm not saying don't have a brain, but also learn to look to your spirit. And if you learn to look on the inside, you can learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit in your own life. If you learn to look on the inside, you'll realize there's times God will put something in your heart. And actually in different meetings, there are times God does want to put things on people's hearts. And this is a first step to starting to step into the prophetic flow. Starting to learn to look in here, not just a speech I made earlier. Amen? It's a very simple point out of today, but I think we're going to leave it at that. But I didn't read a scripture. I didn't read one scripture I didn't read. And I'm, uh, let me just quote this one quickly and we'll talk more about this. I didn't get as far as the one which talks about desire to prophesy. In fact, there's more than one in Corinthians 14. And this is why I said, someone says, well, I'm not that fussed. I don't really want to, you know, bring something out. I'm quite happy to sit in the meeting and just enjoy and not participate. When God gives you an instruction to desire something, if God says, I want you to desire this, what should you do? Okay, look, from this point forward, I desire it. And someone might say, I don't feel like I desire it. No, just desire it by faith. God says, desire it. Okay, Lord, I desire it. <laughs> and the, the, the feeling can follow. Don't just say, well, I don't really desire that. I'm not that fussed. No, now, now you're choosing to disobey what God said in his word. Just say, Lord, you said desire it. I want to yield to you, so I'm going to desire this. I want to learn how to do this. 
Even if your head doesn't, I can tell you this, your heart does. Because we can learn how to tap into a move and a flow of the Holy Spirit if we learn how to do some of these things. This, this, this can lead you on to flowing with the Holy Spirit in other areas. 